Hello and welcome to Media Monsters. Welcome specifically to our uh, Star Wars special. For the next hour, you're going to be hearing opinions on Star Wars. Hope it isn't too torturous. Let's begin. We're yes. not doing Morbius? Oh, yeah, no, no. We no, we are. No, we are Bardia. It's just just give it a minute. Uh, no, um, we're gonna name this episode Morbius, so then more people will click on it. Then more people will click on it. I don't even know where to begin, but I'll All say. Right. I'll, I'll... Let's let's introduce everyone. So yeah. yeah. So we have Bardia. Hello, I'm Bardia. My first podcast. Hello, everyone. We have we have me, Duran, your old your old co-host. We have <laughs> my, Jim my here. My old co-host after ten thousand years, he has returned. Yes, Jim. Hello. Hey, this is Jim. I'm one of the regular co-hosts on uh, Media Monsters. And we got we got Rhett over here, returning I, guest. I I thought this was the cinephile new wave. I'm guessing I'm in the wrong place. <laughs> no, we just. I thought uh, so too. Don't worry. Cinephile monsters mashup. Cinephile monsters, Tony. And then we got we got Tony, Tony. returning guest. And I'm Tony with the ginger ale. What's up, buddy? <laughs> with the ginger ale, no less. All right, and and me, of course, Nick. Hello. It's uh, it's nice to hear from you all again, especially nice to hear from all of you at once. This is going to be an interesting conversation. So to begin with, I wanted to let Jim kind of just say his piece because he was the only one of us alive when, when Star Wars came out. So um, I will uh, let you begin. Talk about kind of your feelings on Star Wars and uh, how, it, how it changed the game when it came out. Back in my day, you kids get off my lawn. You know, um, you know, it, it, movies when Star Wars came out were entirely different. Uh, you know, you had movies like Jaws and Star Wars that were the beginning of the big summer blockbuster. For me, Star Wars has always been my favorite because, um, well, to put it in Mel Brooks' way, merchandising. Uh, you know, I, I'm a, I've always been a big fan of, of uh, the Star Wars movies, but also the Star Wars figures. And uh, anybody knows me, you know, knows how much I love Star Wars. Um, the yeah, the, the the first movies were very basic looking, uh, very serialized sci-fi. But you know, that was some of the charm of it. And you know, I, I love how we've kind of come full circle with uh, going to uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi taking on a look at that, especially the Mandalorian, looking that old school uh, way too. Uh, and to this day, you know, I'm still a big fan of Star Wars. Absolutely. I'm, I'm glad we have a uh, hardcore nerd to uh, anchor this discussion. Thank you for being here. You're welcome. And then I guess I will start with Bardia. Um, since Me? All of Star Wars seems to be just, like, people crapping on it nowadays. I wanted to start by asking everybody to say something nice about your least favorite Star Wars project. So, Bardia, go, go ahead. So, I'm, t I'm taking it away. Okay. Uh, see, that's a little difficult for me because, like, I, you know, like, it's very easy to, like, criticize uh, what uh, Disney's been pumping up. But, like, I think on a fundamental level, I really like Star Wars. Like, like it, in general. Like, even if... Like, I think, for example, say, Rise of Skywalker. I think that might be um, one of my least favorites uh, that's come out thus far. But, like, it's still Star Wars, and I still get a kick out of it. And uh, if I had to say a nice thing about it, um, I would probably say I liked uh, Ian McDiarmid. I, uh, I think I liked uh, his Palpatine coming back. I think it could have been done 
uh, far better uh, without sort of like the sort of vagueness of somehow Palpatine's back. Like, like I think they could have done that a little better. But like, just like him and his presence and his like acting, he he's still got it all these years later. He's still such a sinister presence in the world of Star Wars, and I just get a kick out of a good villain like that. Absolutely, Ian McDermott's a legend. He is. Yeah, he's good. I mean, even, I don't really like the prequels, but he is very good in those. Uh, yeah, he's arguably, part. like, the best part of the prequels. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I also did not like Rise of Skywalker. It actually gave me a headache in the Paris theater that I watched it on after after I exited the, the theater. However, um, one, one thing I did like about it is that it featured the first gay kiss in a major studio film so oh i'm gonna God. applaud disney for that all right Thank can you, you can much. you tell me can you tell me a, an actual thing you liked about it instead of uh, whatever this I, is i honestly don't i i can't i don't really remember you really it hate it that much i don't remember it enough to say something that i enjoyed about it you can I mean, even say like, something broad like the visual effects or anything i was i was about to say i mean like the um yeah, I mean the effects. The effects were good, but I mean that's kind of the kiss for for all of them. So I don't know if that's unique for that one. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, uh, Jim. I can't believe you guys haven't uh, gotten a lot deeper on this. You know, you, you're talking about maybe the prequels at, at the uh, latest, but uh, I would say um, things like Caravan of Courage are probably the weakest point oh my in God. Star Wars. What is that? Uh, it's, oh yeah, it's a TV. Totally spin-off. forgot that exists. What what bothers me, you know, it, it, some of the things that bother me about Star Wars are when they try to play down to children uh, to this day. But what it's also doing is it's opening up, this is the positive part of it, is it's opening up the audience of the story to additional generations, additional people. You know, um, and this is true from... You know the the Ewoks, the Gungans, the uh, the the children in Caravan of Courage, um, Omega in uh, the Bad Batch, and even uh, here's a spoiler: Leia in um, in Obi Wan Kenobi. You know, is they're they're trying to keep it relevant for the mother, the father, and the children. Uh, and and while that might seem weak to me as an adult, it it's opening up the story to another generation. Not, yeah. just, not just the men, but the women and the children too, as Anakin Skywalker <laughs> might say. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, I mean, I would, I would argue that like Star Wars has always appealed to a younger audience, which is a big part of the reason why it was so popular when it first came out. I mean, it was, it was um, like you mentioned with, with Jaws, um, Star Wars, both, both that and Jaws um, foreshadowed the, um, the blockbuster era of cinema, which like many people think that we're still in right now. Um. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I remember like when I first watched Star Wars, I was six years old. I was I was a child, and um, when I first saw it, I loved it so much. The they read the 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 A New Hope ending um, that I watched it again immediately after I had just finished it. So there is there is I think something there that really appeals to, to children. Like the um, I don't know, at least to me, like when I was a kid, the, the like the the huge the universe and the very kind of like um two-dimensional characters and the, the the great like effects and the spectacle of it all um and like if we're talking about a new hope specifically i think that's just like a incredibly well-made movie on a technical level ron you can call it star wars that's the real name 
<laughs> yes, you are right. He's not. He's he's absolutely correct. Really. Um, right. How about you? My least favorite project for Star Wars has to be Episode Two. I've like I enjoyed Episode One and Three when I was a kid. I I even hated Episode Two when I was a kid. And the the nicest thing I can say about it is that kind of especially more broadly about the prequels, the actors got such a hard time off of that. And I think some people use that as like a tool to say that like, oh, actors can never be bad actors. It's just bad writing. And it was bad writing, which these actors are good actors that were certainly coping with bad writing and have gotten way too much flack for their role in the films. But yeah, I'm Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi. That is the best part of, of uh, episode two. It was just a fantastic casting decision. Ewan McGregor is a great actor. I know you agree with this, Nick. Um, yes. Knowing your favorite movie. Uh, and, uh, like, yeah, I, I think the other performances there are, are pretty solid too for like, you know, what they're trying, they're trying to make sense of a George Lucas script and that's never going to go well. Absolutely. It, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it was notorious. I mean, hell, even, even the first, uh, Star Wars kind of got like lost in the edit until Marcia saved it, or at least, you know, that's, that is what is said. And Yeah. Star Wars has always had problems, and I think this is one of the problems that's always been there. But it's it's really you can really see it in the prequels. Yeah, um, yeah. and I I think even if you look back at because I, if I remember correctly, George Lucas still wrote the script for the original Star Wars, but then he wasn't on the scriptwriting team for uh, Empire Strikes Back, and you can notice like you know, a marked difference in quality of the dialogue between episodes four and five. And I think a lot of the, the, the more cringy dialogue in episode four kind of slides under the radar because it was so, you know, game-changing when it came out and so endearing now that, you know, I don't generally have a problem with the dialogue, but I can still notice it if I was being picky. And it's like, yeah, that's definitely a prequel line right there. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I mean, like, even the the acting in the in the original... Uh, a few movies wasn't amazing um i think that actually a lot of critics at the time like criticized the acting for being like pretty wooden i don't know if i would necessarily agree with that criticism but it definitely is something that carries through throughout all the movies i'd say yeah yeah actually if you guys listen to the latest episode of media monsters where we talk about blues brothers there might be a hint about uh why the acting changed from four to five <laughs> there is there is um <laughs> Yeah, maybe something something along those lines. <laughs> um, Tony, 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 Tony what's your least uh, favorite Star Wars it, movie? My least favorite Star Wars movie? Yes. Yes. Least You're, favorite? No. Have, did you read the question? Did you hear the question? No, because I, I did not get to answer the first question. This, this is, is the first question. This is the first question. <laughs> I thought it was like your favorite thing about the new Star Wars movies. N no. no, it's uh. I said, say, say something nice about, about your least favorite Star Wars, Star Wars project. Oh, excuse me. Okay, okay, okay. say something nice about least favorite. Okay, I, I don't remember the new ones in like in like order, so I'm just gonna comment on them as a whole. I thought they did a really good job on set design in terms of like building both uh, Sith and Jedi archetypes. If you look at the island that that uh, Luke is on, you really get the sense that they're uh, that these were like really spiritual people that that were brought to this place because of the like gravitas that it possessed and mm -hmm. even when uh when daisy goes to that like 
weird sort of Sithy, um, almost HP Lovecraft type, like a water hole thing. There, there is like a presence that it has that kind of indicates um, something beyond just like a, ge- a, a geographic form, which I thought was awesome. Yeah, nice. No, actually I... Why I, like, I walked out of the theaters. I walked out of the theaters for almost all of the uh, those movies. Actually, like having enjoyed the experience, I, it's just now looking back at like a critical lens where I'm like, yeah, this is not like really building the franchise uh, in a way that I like. They're good. They're like solid and well done movies in that regard, though. Yeah. On that note, um, uh, when I was a when I was like a child, one of the things I I really liked about the Star Wars movies was um, not even necessarily the movies themselves, but the the like greater universe they were a part of mm-hmm. and of course like when i'm like six years old i don't know that oh like they started with like one movie and then eventually developed into a franchise but um something that i felt the, the sequels lacked was at least may- maybe at that point i knew too much about star wars going into the sequels because i'm like okay i, I have like a i have like a, a feeling of like what goes away in the star wars universe and seeing the sequels i felt that they didn't really fit together with the rest of the universe but even worse they didn't seem like a story that needed to be told i mean you could you could argue the same thing about the prequels but at least like the prequels did tell an original story that does set up like the the events of the of the original trilogy yeah something i was actually just thinking about was like in in terms of like needing to be told yeah it feels like it's just kind of continuing the franchise for the sake of continuing the franchise and it doesn't really have any other like goals as a story medium there i mean which, it, like, it really didn't fine. help that they had two directors with very conflicting visions doing movies back to back yeah so i mean it's... well it's it's clear that they didn't have any idea like they had no like plan in mind for like what what they were trying to do it was it was kind of like scattershot yeah, I was, like, trying to think of, like, just on the stories alone. Like, if it didn't have the Star Wars name attached to it, would these make any decent sci-fi movies? And, like, uh, maybe uh, if it didn't have the toxic fan base surrounding it, you could argue <laughs> that there was that there would be a different sort of reception for that. But I feel like just people wouldn't really care if these weren't, like, if these were just movies and they had no connection to Star Wars. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think if you look at it, from a, a, a more distance view, what Disney has done since they've purchased the rights to Star Wars, since they purchased Star Wars, is that they are trying to close out the Skywalker saga and let you know there is a bigger universe. Um, that's why they've literally killed off all the original characters, uh, with the exception of my favorites R2 and C-3PO. But they are, um, and and they've kind of minimized them as well. But they're letting you see what else is out there, so we don't have to talk about Leia and Han and uh, Luke all the time. We're going to be talking about additional characters that exist in this universe. I don't know if I agree with that. I think that the the sequel trilogy is too obsessed with like those core characters for it to do anything interesting. And I think that's like one of the reasons why a lot of those weren't very effective for me because I th- I, th- I do think like. There, there are still like interesting stories you can do within this universe, but I, I didn't, I didn't feel like the the sequel series did anything interesting or new. Like I, trust me, I, I don't want the same things over and over again. The reason why I really didn't like Episode Seven was because it was basically just like a soft remake of A New Hope. I wanted, I wanted something like new or interesting, and I, I was really disappointed that. I mean, I, I knew I shouldn't have expected this because ultimately it is all about money, but I was disappointed that we were just kind of getting more of the same, and the quality kind of diminished i think also like i think disney would very much like to appeal to the idea that they're getting away from the skywalkers but like 
in actuality, it doesn't really feel like that. Like yeah. they had the they had yeah. the chance. AI Luke in, doesn't really yeah. spell getting away from Skywalker well, Saga. AI yeah, exactly. Luke, it's all like and, nostalgia by Well, and Kenobi, that's still about. It's about Anakin Skywalker's master. You're gonna get Ahsoka. That's about Anakin Skywalker's apprentice. Uh, you know, Luke is still making regular appearances in The Mandalorian, and there's talks of Sebastian Stan playing Luke in other projects, so... Oh <laughs> I think yeah. I think that's oh fundamentally, like, like, I think there's merit, like, there's a lot of merit turning in this conversation, but I think it's a testament, fundamentally, to, like, the power of the characters in Star Wars. Like, over the years, oh, like, they've had such a long time to build up, and, like, uh, wherever Disney decides to go with it, like if they decide to go away from the Skywalker saga, like they gotta measure up to like the uh, the prestige that has built up around these characters over the past several decades. If they wanna uh, have a chance of like having some, I I I, hesi I hesitate to say equally iconic characters in the future. Well, course, I, I don't know if I would I would call the characters from Star Wars particularly like interesting, especially from like the original trilogy. There's there's something I really like, you know, like Han, because I think he actually has like a personality. But like Luke is like such a boring character, and like really, sure, yeah. I think it's yeah. like the exact opposite. Actually, I think Han really? is the dull one, and Luke is the one with the nuance. But yeah, yeah I, I, I agree with so Barty. I, 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 I rewatched A New Hope recently, and like, there's like nothing going on there. It's so so dry. It was well, like it was like well, kind of painful to watch. Well, I I think like that there's some merit to that just within A New Hope, but I think after that. Luke's character really becomes as the franchise becomes like more grand in scope. I feel like Luke's character really matures over the course of the original trilogy, especially. Yeah, no, I do agree that he has an arc. I mean, I just, yeah, he kind of that it's... he kind of has to be the one who like you know doesn't know what's going on and is kind of a blank slate because he is our entry point. So he's also you have to look at it in the in the way that you should look at any myth, which is that like he's designed to be generic so that you can see yourself in him. It's like, yeah, it's, that's a what I mean. it's like a mirror, yeah. Anyway, Which, if anything, um, I think that's sort of what Han becomes, like, later in the original trilogy and in the sequel trilogy. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I do, I did kind of, like, talking about, like, The Last Jedi is, is a way to get, like, you know, your house bombed by somebody. <laughs> but I, I did, like, in concept enjoy the way that Luke was handled in that movie. At least, like, the idea of it was, was interesting. But I think well, the, back, the backlash to um, that character is very interesting because it shows that, like, I don't, I honestly don't think that even, like, the most hardcore Star Wars fans find these characters compelling in terms of, like, being characters. I think it's mostly just the fact that they're recognizable, which is why, like, so many people are kind of so, like, infatuated by them. Yeah, and yeah. I, I also, like, there there was certainly a point in Rise of Skywalker where they had the chance to go away from the Skywalker saga when they were like, Rey is like actually not related to anyone, which I found a mm -hmm. way more interesting idea than like anything else that was going on in the sequel trilogy. But then they just totally backpedaled on that. Right. Yeah. And then that goes back to what Nick was saying with like the conflicting views on what to do with the sequel trilogy. Like I, I definitely think that the last Jedi is the best movie that Disney has put out. I still don't think it's a great movie. It has a lot of flaws, Yeah. but at least it tried doing something a little bit different. Um, it was certainly the most interesting movie out of out of all of those. Man, but, is everyone um, sleeping on Rogue One? I'm very surprised. <laughs> I know. I, really I think like I think Rogue it, One. I think in terms of like boring, bland characters for like no one to remember, like those are the worst example because they are all they are they are written like characters who are going to die, and it just felt like because they were going to die, the people who are writing them didn't actually care about giving them characters. 
Yeah, I think that's true. I remember liking Rogue One a lot when I saw it, but um, I haven't rewatched it in a long time. It was time. a very pretty movie. I like yeah. the like Force Monk guy, but like I can't even remember his name. Uh, yeah, Kirit totally Miller. agree with Nick. It was it was just really it was kind of like a boring, bland movie. But mm. the only aspects that were interesting about it were the fact that it had like it built a little bit on uh, people who are not Jedi but are like kind of like yeah more sensitive. If that makes sense. Yeah. Mm. Go play Halo Reach. What? <laughs> what? All right. Anyway. Um, anyway. Uh, uh, let me let me answer this uh, the the question because I was the only one who didn't get to answer this. Oh yeah, you did. I'd I'd probably agree with Rhett that Episode Two is my least favorite piece of Star Wars content, but um, I'd say the choreography because the choreography in all of those was like improved tenfold from the original trilogy. So uh, probably that. Other than that, you know, bad romance movie, bad undercover spy movie mash those into one and you don't get anything particularly satisfying um to be fair about the romance though yeah. it, it, it does like reach that level of camp that it's like so bad it's good i mean i mean that that that's certainly it still hurts by me the, though yeah <laughs> fair enough <laughs> i can't dispute it, it, that it's certainly evidenced by the response that you know that zoomers had like a decade later of turning the whole trilogy into memes yeah. but then now has somehow become beloved for that Mm-hmm. mistake yeah mistake yeah. i swear i think so do you think part of the kind of resurgence of the prequels was due to clone wars i'll, I'll give uh, that to Rhett since he's the only one who's seen it all the way through uh, i hmm so i think that certainly saved uh the prequel era for a lot of people who you know were growing up with it at that time and wanted to take it a little bit more seriously. But I doubt that Clone Wars ever had such a broad reach that I could really say it was responsible. I, I honestly think it was more just prequel memes. Like, it was just that becoming such a big thing that led to people, you know, sort of revisiting it. And I also think it's just that a lot of the people who are revisiting it, you know, just grew up with them, you know, when they were kids and you know my, myself included you know we're just like ooh, you know cool lightsaber stuff like yeah. that you know it yeah. was just like a a fun movie for us and like it was a part of our childhood because you know i didn't I, I knew when i was a kid that everyone was saying these movies were awful and they hated them but you know when i was a kid i was like well yeah but obi-wan lightsaber <laughs> so yeah, no, guns, yeah but... i had a similar uh that i was a kid like i i loved the prequels when i was a kid um my dad would not allow me to watch episode three because he, he thought it was too violent, which is kind of uh, funny. Um, so I, I never, I never really liked that movie because, like, by the time I watched it, I'm like, wow, this is kind of ass. That's funny. <laughs> that, that was the only Star Wars yeah. movie I had seen in theaters prior to the Disney trilogy. I am so <laughs> jealous. That was me as well, except also the Clone Wars animated movie. Ugh. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. Um... yeah. Okay, I, I should mention that I was talking about the TV series Clone Wars, yeah. not the. <laughs> No, no, no one, no one talks about the the movie. Isn't the this movie is the like, first and last time we talk about the movie? The movie yeah. is like two episodes of the show, right? Is it? Um, yeah, I, it well, is. It's it like two it or three thereabouts. Yeah, yeah, but in theaters, I think it was an yeah, arc from the like show. The first two episodes yeah. of the show now. Uh, when you mean the one about the baby uh, job of the hut? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had a baby Yoda back then too. What the hell? Yeah, no, they did. Oh my god. It was it something was, much it, no. worse. Um, it, was, it was, yeah. So I do want to ask kind of um, then what everybody's kind of entry point with Star Wars was because 
uh, my entry point to Star Wars is sitting in this call with us when I received a uh, DVD package containing the special editions of the first uh, four, five, and six now. Yeah, no, Jim, Jim sent that to me when I was a kid, and I was like, I was always a little too young to have watched one, two, and three in theaters, and then I ended up growing up with the original trilogy instead because I was never really never really got to watch the prequels <laughs> when did you end up watching the prequels for the first time i mean like part of it was through cultural osmosis i can't tell you like the exact time that i watched the prequels i mean i've seen all of them at this point but i don't know if i could tell you like you know i was you know 12 i was you know whatever um gotcha. but yeah, yeah that's, that's kind of interesting it's yeah, yeah it's, uh... it's a very interesting experience just because it's like I, I feel a kind of disconnect with Star Wars fans my age because of it. I'm really curious. Uh, uh, Jim, do you remember, like, what the scenario was where you first heard about Star Wars? Uh, yeah, actually, it was um, probably in, in ele- definitely in elementary school. We were, uh, you know, one of my coworkers who, even back then, he knew he wanted to be a director. He came in with a couple of uh, uh, figures. I think it was, like, Stormtroopers and maybe Luke or something like that. And he was showing those off to me, and I'm like, these are so cool. Uh, and, you know, I remember going home and, and begging my parents to go see Star Wars, and they had no idea what they were in for. And, you know, I remember them, my parents telling the neighbors that they were taking me to go see Star Wars, and the neighbors had no idea what what, what that was all about. And, you know, and I even remember going to see Empire, and, and one of the last times I saw Empire... Uh, in a theater was actually at a drive-in and I, that's the last time I ever went to a drive-in. Um, that's so cool. Yeah, and, and, and actually that drive-in is now um, it's it's gone and it's a bar right now, but yeah. down the street from me. But It's a um, big bar. Well, I mean, the bar is at the beginning of the entrance of where it would have been. And I think there's a there's probably a whole subdivision there now. Um, but um, you know, and I even remember going to see Return of the Jedi and you know you talk about big opening days that was huge i mean i remember going into the movie theater and it was elbow to elbow you know just everybody pouring in to go see return of the jedi i've never seen so many people in a movie theater like that uh before or after that it was like going to a football game you know that was extremely popular you know i uh i saw force awakens on the thursday night showing and it was the exact, it was a very similar scenario. I remember like our seats were at the very far front and all the way to the right in like an IMAX theater. So we had like, we could see a distinct one pixel of the corner of the screen, but it was like, I can't even begin to imagine how that must've been back then. That That's so amazing. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah that's, the, that's the, really cool. The, the release weekends for um, any of the newer Disney movies were almost always like around my birthday. So I would have to like, because that's basically the only movie people would want to see that weekend, so I would have to get seats in advance. Like, okay, we're seeing this, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Oh god. Which, like, I... I was excited to see episode seven, and and that was a very fun experience in the theater, even for for episode seven's flaws. Yeah. I mean, I I'll I'll tell one you. Other thing though, um, when episode four came out, I remember when you know this is when when you know trailers were first available on the internet, and it was a little tiny 
you know, postage stamp trailer, you know, waiting for that to download and looking at this. Little oh, from the website, the like, the like 240 yeah. by 180, like yeah, you had to download tiny. it. Yeah. Um, and I got out of work. I used to work a job seven to three. I got out of work and I heard that there was a brand new movie theater. This movie theater opened up the day that episode one opened <laughs> and nobody knew about it. Wow. might have even been the only one in the theater not because the movie wasn't going to be good or the or people weren't going to go see it it's just nobody knew about this movie theater that was tucked in behind a, another mall wow yeah yeah because there were like lot like huge lines of people camping out for that movie right yeah yeah no i mean the the episode one hype was like something different there are, there are movies like that, like Spider-Man 3 or The Avengers, but, like, man, I, I really don't think we know the, the full extent of, like, old Star Wars hype. Like, I've never had to, like, wait in a line around a block to see a movie before. So I can't, you know, I just, you know like, what? I can't imagine. The last time I did that was for Peter Jackson's The Hobbit on 48 oh, frames a second. God. 3D. I'm so sorry. <laughs> No, I was wrong. I loved it when I was like 11 or whatever. Well, yeah, the first yeah, Hobbit movie the, was good. The other times that we've waited in extremely long lines have also been for Star Wars. It's Celebration 2017 in Orlando and at, um, you know, R Rise of the Resistance. I mean, we waited yeah. like three hours for that on your birthday and, you know. And, and then the we didn't get out. in. Yep. Is that the, <laughs> the ride? Yeah. Oh, the ride yeah. is so cool. Yeah, I will say that the, the, the theme park stuff for Star Wars, other than what I hear about the new hotel or whatever, like, it, it's pretty magical. Like, getting to build a lightsaber is a magical experience, and I can't imagine what, like, my 11-year-old self would have thought of that opportunity. Yeah, my parents would be bankrupt, probably. <laughs> uh, Tony, <laughs> Tony, what was, yes. what was uh, your entry to Star Wars? Okay, so I went to this barber shop when I was a oh. kid. And, well, you know it's a good story if it starts at a barber shop. Yeah. And as soon as I'd walk in, the the barber would look at me, and then he'd he'd, he'd turn around and pick up a remote, and then he'd press the, the on button, press the like you know input button, and then play. And then all of a sudden, the <laughs> Star Wars theme song is blaring, and and I'm I just like sit in front of the TV, and I just watch that until and like. There are long waits because there was only like one barber in the soul shop, maybe two barbers, and I would just watch like the first like hour of Star Wars, whatever Star Wars he had in the in the DVD player at the time, uh, <laughs> as I waited, and it was just like magical. I could not wait to go to the barber again. It was so cool, and awesome. that really started me into this like absolute fascination with the world that is Star Wars. Nick, what was the name of that Mexican restaurant we went to down by Universal Studios last time I was down? You mean Chewy's? Are you are you talking about uh? No, not you... Chewy's. Uh, oh, that's Star Wars related, right? I it, it'll come around to that, Duran. I don't so know. So this Mexican restaurant that we took, we went to uh, with Lille. Uh, when I went in, oh the bathroom, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, is it Rocco's? Rocco's it tacos. Like Rocco's. Yeah, it is yeah. Rocco's tacos. That's it. Because I went into the bathroom and you know they've got these screens over the urinals and over the toilets, and they Star were playing, Wars is playing Star Wars, and I'm like. It's wrong that I want to hang out in the bathroom because they're playing Star Wars. <laughs> you can awesome. feel free to edit that out if you like. <laughs> no, it's Do you think there are any kids out there that like went into the bathroom and then they got like into Star Wars that way? They just had no idea what they were seeing. Probably. Probably. Yeah. It wouldn't at least me. at least one or two. 
Yeah, no, if I, know, if I was like 10 and I walked into a bathroom and saw guys swinging laser swords around, I'd be like, what the fuck? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta see where this you know, goes. So, we had mentioned episode 7 before, um, and I kind of want to put it out there. I think episode 7 might be my favorite episode simply because of the experience I had watching it. I was talking about, you know, I was talking about, like, pre-release hype for something. My god. The pre-release hype for, for Force Awakens was insane, man. Had yeah, marketing on that. oranges, had marketing on, on, on everything, man. Everything. Um, but I just, yeah. I remember going to that theater, like, and, it, it, like, it just, it felt like something had changed once I got out of it. I know that the crowd was like, stupid, the crowd must but... have been, like, electric, right? Oh, yeah. No, you, yeah. I haven't I felt mean... that energy in a theater since, I don't think. Just you know, the, actually, just the explosion when the theme started, like yeah, turn off the flash, yeah, you fucking magical. moron. I <laughs> that's a great meme. I actually I have a I have a little story about that because like there we actually had a technical hiccup on this like opening oh, Thursday no. night thing. It's so it was so funny though. Like like I said before, we were like bottom right corner of like this IMAX showing Thursday night seven p.m. and there were no previews. It was really strange. Like there were no previews going like at. 7 p.m. when it was supposed to start and then like after like a few minutes they showed like a giant like blue like windows crash screen <laughs> and like fantastic. it was like that and there was like obviously a lot of chatter in the audience it was like, so funny uh and then like after a few minutes this guy wearing his amc shirt walks out and he's like i got some good news and some bad news <laughs> Uh-oh. So, uh, the good news, he said the good news is we have the movie. It's, like, safely in the projection booth and everything. The bad news is, like, we're having trouble connecting, so we can't show previews before it. So, I mean, it sounded like a win-win to me. And, like, sure enough, like, we were able to see the magic. And, my God, I'll never forget the crowd that night. It, like, it was electric. It was, like, definitely, like, a once-in-a-lifetime crowd experience like there's nothing has ever matched it i think and i totally get what you're you're coming from nick like that experience certainly like gives the movie like a certain bread and butter that like uh other viewings of other movies i i sincerely doubt can yeah can match and, with and, the, and it's a thing where like i on. i totally admit the flaws of the movie i totally admit that this is basically a, a remake of a new hope but uh, like, you know, you sit in a theater and you're one of the first people in North America to learn that Han Solo's dead. And it's like, you know, you feel a little special. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I actually, I, I knew that way before the movie came out because this girl in Spanish class spoiled it for me. Wow. Oh, oh, no. I know, I know. And she was like, eh, I just, I read it on Tumblr. It's like, probably not true. And I was like, why would you tell me this? <laughs> I remember like the second, like when, from the moment he shouts, Ben! Like I could, I could. See oh yeah, no. He walks out. Like, he walks yeah. out on that bridge with no scaffolding. You, you know like, that's a bad sign in a Star Wars movie. The, yeah, it's a very <laughs> bad sign. And literally the second that the lightsaber ignites, I just like break. I'm bawling. This is like a character with like, I guess at that point forty ish years of build up, and he's just like, oh, like he's been there since our childhood, and he's uh, like, yeah, they, oh, he's falling off. And they, they the like, reacts. Oh yeah, no, and also even like clearly they, they like were on point with like where they wanted the emotions to hit because like i heard a collective like awe from like people when like they found out that his name was ben like after ben kenobi that like han held on to that it was a smart movie and i think in some ways it's like 
it it's diminished for being a soft reboot of episode four, but it also is in some ways more polished than episode four. So yeah, that's kind of my opinion on it, really. The so I think the reason why um, I had that reaction to it is because the the negative reaction to it is because once I saw that that was a remake of episode four, um, I kind of like thought that the future of the franchise will probably be similar to that kind of just like further. Like, it was just going to be like a soft reboot of the original trilogy, basically. Yeah, but more just that, like, the rest, the, all of these movies will just continue to be, like, nostalgia bait cash-ins. Yeah. Uh, which, I mean, like, you know, like, I'm, I'm not I'm not gonna, like, say that there's, like, no, like, merit to any of these things, but, like, I, I do think that that's kind of, like, proven true with a lot of, like, the shows and stuff like that. In a way. Um, I mean, I'm, have you watched a lot of the shows? You watched, watched, like, an episode of Mandalorian and gave that's up. That's not true. You? I've watched, like, four episodes of The Mandalorian, Nick. <laughs> okay. Nick, I liked your reaction with, um, I think it was episode seven, that uh, you you loved the opening line. This will, uh, what was it? Uh, this will begin to set things right. This will begin to set things right. Right I, after I the prequel trilogy, that. that was the first line in a Star Wars movie, which you know, it's I have it a lot of mixed feelings. Well, but... Yeah, I have a lot of mixed feelings about the Disney era. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of this that I do enjoy, but. I guess that that brings me back to one of the guiding questions here is um, what needs to change about Star Wars? I'll let and I'm gonna let it's to- over. I'm it's over. Stop to- it. <laughs> I'm gonna let Tony take this because he hasn't spoken in a bit. Okay. So what we need to do to Star Wars is what they're starting to do again with with uh, Solo, which is listening to the Lucas plan, the canon, the true <laughs> canon. Oh no! Any true Star dude, Wars his fan. his sequel plans change no, like no, every no. time you ask no, him about no, it. No, 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 no. <laughs> true, he had, true. He had a plan, plan Nick. He had a plan. Acknowledge that the sequel trilogy that Lucas had planned would have diverted from all the Jedi. Which stuff one? And gotten into the underbelly of the crime in the galaxy. And so we see the, the, these crime lords. Jabba the Hutt's not just one of them. And they're starting to do this with Mandalorian, too. We're seeing that there's a, a seedy and gross underbelly to Star Wars that is a lot more interesting okay, than the so you... implications that the, that the original trilogy provides for us. I want to see a hotel for that one, too. So oh, like, yeah. So a Crimson, Crimson Dawn kind of thing. I don't What's know what that? that is, but I, I mean, it's it's I'm a all, crime syndicate in Star Wars. I'm always down for more okay. Darth Maul content, but I don't I yeah. don't get why I don't get why people seem so hesitant to like want to hear more about the Jedi and the Force because I actually think that those are two really interesting concepts that were handled very well in the Clone Wars and somewhat well in some of the other like spin-off Disney projects, but absolutely terribly in the the mainline movies. Really, I thought they were. It was dealt with interestingly in the prequels. I mean, I'm, subtext, I'm talking mostly about the, like the Disney Midichlorians, I assume yeah. is your. Uh no, I didn't really have too much of a problem with the Midichlor. Like I can see how people like say that kind of removes the magic from it. Um, but I mean more like everyone seems to say like get away from the Jedi, they're boring and stuff like that. And I'm like, why? They're space monks. Like it's the force is a metaphor for religion. Like you can do so many interesting things with that as your guiding principle. But like they just seem to think of the force as ooh magic push object. This you is know. part of the reason why I'm so hyped for Kenobi because like literally like my favorite part of Star Wars is totally like the Jedi and the force and that sort of thing. And I feel like they've been really like. Uh, this is like the first time we're really like getting back into that area, especially with like how throughout for much of the sequel trilogy, we never got saw any like real Jedi action. 
throughout and like i i guess maybe the little fanboy in me is hoping for more of that yeah duran uh ever ever the critical one how would you change star wars i mean i'm like i like legitimately I you don't. think just let it die Okay, so this is the this is the thing. So I think that um, one of the reasons why Star Wars was able to be this huge success is because you have so many different directions to go. Since like the original movie was very very like vapid, there's like really not a lot going on there in terms of just like what happens in that movie and like thematic or aspects and that kind of thing. So like you can really like take that in like a lot of different directions and like you know we we definitely seen that with like all like huge all of these like spinoffs and like the novelizations and the comics and the greater like universe stuff and the franchising and all that. I mean, like, I don't, I honestly don't know how to answer that question because at this point I don't really see like what else they can do. I, I really think that like a lot of it is kind of um, drawn out at this point. We've had like what almost 50 years of star Wars content and I, I don't, I don't really see where else to take it. Yeah. I think you're wrong in that because if you look at Warhammer, which has been around for like 40 <laughs> years, there's so much Warhammer lore, so you just know that there's just insane amounts of lore that they could add to Star Wars, and people would still be so into it. Okay, but, like, the I think that does bring into question, though, who, what audience are they trying to get? Because they're not trying to get the Warhammer audience. They're trying to get the <laughs> Marvel audience. Yeah, that's true. I Well, um, I, I feel like Star Wars, the last time I thought Star Wars was really, really interesting was probably the end of Mandalorian where they kind of, they got back to those original trilogy roots where they were like describing the Jedi's as monks where there was like, they kind of promised this battle between Mandalores and Jedi. And I, you know, I don't know if that still might happen or whatever, but I don't you know. know. Actually, and then I do have a way to answer season this question. two went like, off the rail. <laughs> all uh, right. All right. I'll let you go. So I, I think that the last Jedi was like the last chance for something interesting to like come out of star Wars. In, in this like period um but i think that the like overwhelming negative backlash that disney got towards that kind of like um i mean know, at the same that. time they gave ryan johnson a trilogy afterwards yeah so but it's, I mean, it's hard really to say happen? i oh, I, I recently read the the vanity fair argue about article about star wars and like what's coming up and they said that the johnson trilogy is on the back burner right now because he's too yeah. busy with knives out i don't know if that's gonna happen i i, I would hope that happens but i don't yeah, I, I mean, the weakest point that they what what happens right now is that they are looking at existing storylines, storylines that are as almost as old as forty five years, and when they go back and they try to write the history that came before, and it's just a weak point. Um, case in point, you know, what's Han's last name? Solo, and and when they tell us it's Solo in a movie. And they had to draw it out to us, or they had to show us when Han met Chewbacca. You know what? I'm better off not knowing. Maybe you're I'm right. better off not yeah, knowing. You're right. You know some of that information about Boba Fett because he was a cooler character when I didn't see him under the helmet, when I didn't hear him talk. You know, and totally Duran, agree. You know, Duran, when you said that there wasn't much more that they could do with Star Wars, you know, let, let's look at the first opening crawl in a galaxy far, far away. You know. Literally, they can write whatever they want, and you know, just they include... just need to remove themselves from the Skywalkers. They need and, to move and, to a different that era. Back to my point is that they're saying that the Skywalker saga is has ended, and we're going to go off and we're going to look at things like the High Republic, and we're going to go off and look at you know other characters that exist in this universe 
where you know it's got its own set of physics and its own set of you know tools that they use and i think they're definitely more scared about doing that in the move movies and shows though and i think that's why they're kind of being timid and they're using luke and mandalorian and they're you know yeah they are yeah, trying I, to i think they're to... too scared to move away from the skywalkers personally well i think i, mean, I, I think, think it'll happen eventually we just I think after so the next movie Maybe is like going to be years. Taika Waititi's, <laughs> and I think that'll really help kind of launch into something different. Well, I think what's interesting, Taika yeah, huh? Taika Waititi's making the next Star Wars. No, I know, I know. That's just one of those, you know. What's like, the deal with that? I'm not really to make. Um, <laughs> what's the deal with it? Um, yeah, just that they're it's being made by Taika. He's writing it. He's directing it. He's aiming for late 2023, is what I hear. Oh, so is it like a film? Yeah. It's yeah, a, it's, it's, it's going to be... Is it going to be a trilogy? I only heard it was like one it was film. Hmm. I heard um, it was just one film, so... Do we do we know anything about like what it's about? No. Not really, but... There, um, there were some rumors that... I, I think it was mostly just to rile up Star Wars fans, but something about Brie Larson starring in a Star Wars reboot. I yeah, don't know. well, <laughs> I mean, Kevin Feige is still like executive producing one of the Star Wars movies, which... Really? Who knows what that'll do for the series? Um, Until then, we can get hyped for Indy Five. I mean, geri- <laughs> like geriatric a two thousand year old like Harrison. Geriatric Ford, like, Jones. Yeah, geriatric Jones. <laughs> I I think one of the problems that they're sort of dealing with with like clearly putting a lot of emphasis onto TV is that while Star Wars is a broad universe where you can do a lot in it, someone has brought this up before, I can't remember who, I think it might have been on, like, Red Letter Media or something like that, but it's Star Wars. What As a, as a movie, what else can you do other than Wars in the Stars, and how much more different can you make that? Like, there's this whole really universe... Point, yeah. There's this whole universe to explore that you feel a lot more free to do in these sort of, air quotes, lesser important areas, like books tv shows video games and it's like it's star wars colon something else you know but if you're going to put star wars on the big screen then what is it if not a war in the stars yeah you're completely right it has to be a spectacle or else it's not what people think of as star wars yeah i mean i don't know something's got to change I mean, I mean, n- n- not necessarily anything has to change, really, because these are still making a lot of money. But, um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's like you just you can't make everybody happy. So, yeah, that's that has become abundantly clear with the Disney trilogy. Yeah, but, I mean, they, they tried doing that with um, Rise of Skywalker and everyone hated that movie because of it. But I, I think you know, I don't know what you guys um, think about Mandalorian, but let me let me give you a story about Mandalorian and why it's actually ingratiated uh, itself to me even more in that, you know, with the Mandalorian, they went and they created it going back and looking at old series like Westerns and um, Kung Fu and things like that. And I'm amazed at the wide gamut of generations that can watch and really enjoy uh, The Mandalorian Season 1 and 2. I'm going to take Book of Boba Fett out of that because I, I the, what I've seen for that is different. Um, in that, you know, I've seen my parents, my parents who were never that into Star Wars, I've seen them watch The Mandalorian Season 1 and 2 several times. 
I mean, the last thing my mother ever asked me for before she passed away was a Grogu. And I what is believe that? it. Uh, Baby Yoda. Uh, Baby Yoda, yeah. Um, and I could not believe that, that it struck home. It finally struck home to a generation of, of people who before knew that I was into it, but it hadn't connected with them before. Um, and, and then, you know, look again at, at Grogu, Baby Yoda, you know, connects with the the younger generation. So yeah. it, it's hitting, at this point, how many different generations? I'd say about four or maybe even five generations of people can be into Star Wars at this point. You know, take a look at it from that point, and you'd be amazed at how many people are actually fans. I mean, I remember back in the day where, you know, you said somebody was into Star Wars... It's like, oh, that's cute, nice. But nowadays, it's everybody has an opinion common. on Star Wars. Yeah, it's more a cultural phenomenon. People are into Star Wars than not. Yeah, I yeah. mean, or at least like even if you're not into it, you're aware of it. I like, have, knows yeah, I have actually tracked down a friend who hasn't actually seen Star Wars. Really, it's crazy. it's Max. He hasn't has actually Star seen Wars? Star Wars. He's watched like all of Star Trek and never Star Wars. Yeah, no, and his 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 whole argument is that no one's actually seen Star Wars. They've just absorbed it through cultural osmosis. Yeah, like I he genuinely think, believes be that no one has seen Star Wars for no. real. I would be honest, Nick. Actually, I don't think you've seen the I don't believe you. I, I'm just telling you. Probably never seen Star Wars. I mean, well, that's that's more believable. But like a kid my okay, age. But- uh, Tony, to be fair, like at this point, you really don't need to see the prequels. You could like understand the entire plot of all those movies if you just like that through the whole like meme craze. Yeah, the whole like meme the one, the one Obi Wan scene in Return of the Jedi. Aesthetics. You you don't get the aesthetics of the memes. That's true. Yeah, it's true. That's that's why again, go watch Clone Wars. That's like probably Star Wars at its peak. So I want to talk about this. So Rhett was talking about earlier the like spiritual side of the Jedi's. And I don't know if you guys know this, but there it's like not even like some people who are into this are doing it for the meme, but there is a legitimate religion called Jediism that started after Star Wars. And there are people that practice it, that call themselves Jedi Knights, that legitimately are so fervent about this that they have broken up with their girlfriends and they actually go out in the community and do good things in the name of the force. This is not like pacifarianism. No, 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 no. No. People are so legitimate about this. Damn. All right. Dude, that would have been me if I was six years old. Like, <laughs> I, I think <laughs> I don't even know where to go from there. Well, I think I, I wanted to go back to uh, like I think kind of what what Jim was talking about with like I think one of the things that needs to be changed about Star Wars is just that it needs to feel like inspired again. Like you know George Lucas was drawing on you know Akira Kurosawa movies you know to make the original Star Wars. Kurosawa, and... Hawks, Ford. I mean like old sci-fi serials, yeah. Yeah, no, it's tons of stuff, and so that's what I think made it feel so unique is that he clearly had a, a vision for it. I, I know Tony <laughs> agrees with that, um, yeah. and uh, I'm glad that they're bringing some of that back with the old Western elements and samurai elements to some of the new stuff. I'm I'm thinking that Obi Wan the series is kind of like doubling down on that because it feels like kind of like I like the way Kenobi is dealing with the sort of concept of the Western a little bit more than the Mandalorian. Cause that feels like just so kind of like fluff flavor text to the Mandalorian. 
rather than like a core part of what the themes of that show is not that i feel like it really has anything to say yeah i don't know i mean protect baby yoda i guess yeah i mean i i hear if you're a father it hits really hard so <laughs> it uh, i mean i don't know so now that i've um done my my bachelor's in film um and i'm planning on continuing my my film studies my relationship with star wars now is very very different than from when i was a kid i mean obviously like i had like no idea about like cinematic history when i was six years old um and now i do and of course like now rewatching this movie i, I just rewatched um the original um in preparation for this podcast and of course like you know uh like, like uh, red was mentioning i was able to see all these uh inspirations that that lucas took from like these these old like great filmmakers but um something that i'm really interested in is uh the effect that star wars has had on the film industry and also just like american culture in general so i was reading this this interesting kairos du cinema piece uh, they're the the french film critics um that uh Truffaut and godard used to work with um this one's by serge le perron i don't really know him but is talking about how this is like something I've, I've I've noticed from a lot of like criticism from the time and like later there's this kind of like placelessness with um the the first movie um in fact like the movie looks really good it's it's very difficult to tell exactly like where when the movie came from and one one way that you usually can do that is is based off of um the like how it how it comments on like culture at the time but I find that like there's there's very little of there's very little cultural commentary in, in that first like Star Wars movie. It really feels like it could be placed at any point in history. Lucas just wanted it. to make a film about funny gay robots. <laughs> I think well, there's I, I... like Go ahead, Barty. <laughs> Someone go ahead. Oh, okay. I was gonna say, uh I think that's like what sets that first film apart from many of the others, because that first film like has something of a I like to think it it, it feels almost like a fairy tale. Whereas like as it becomes more of a franchise becomes more like broadens the world building it becomes especially between a new hope and empire you go from like that sort of fairy tale to uh the the uh sort of the gritty reality of what like a rebellion is uh in the context of a galactic war yeah i mean a lot more dark the first movie in general is uh you know i, th I think most of us know that lucas was very inspired by like joseph campbell hero with a thousand faces like it is it is a, a through and through fairy tale. I mean, instead of talking to animals, Luke talks to droids. He's the only one that can do it. That's true, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he has his uh, old wizard mentor and stuff like that. Yeah, I think I think we've all at this point seen that uh, interview with uh, Freddie Prince Jr. or whatever his name was. Yeah, talking about chatting about Star Wars. He voices someone in Rebels. Can't remember. Uh, Kanan. He Kanan. voices Kanan. I've never seen Rebels, but I I know that's who he voices. Yeah, and I think, I think that, the legend of uh, I was yeah, gonna I, just briefly. Yeah, go ahead. I'm so, so sorry. Uh, <laughs> just wanted to briefly tack on like that notion of like that wizard man. I think like uh, the legend of King Arthur and Camelot in general was like a was like a, something that was a popular legend uh, in the 20th century that I'm sure Lucas may have drawn influence from. I know at least one film on the subject came out like in the decade or two preceding Star Wars. But what were you gonna say, Daron? um uh something that really stuck out to me and and this rewatch was the editing like um it, it won the oscar for, for best editing and it definitely deserved it like marshall lucas did an incredible incredible job here and 
like it is incredibly fast-paced i don't know if you guys have watched it recently but like the editing is very very similar to the way that modern films are edited and actually pauline kale like complained about this in her review it's she's like there's like i don't know what the hell's going on it's like too fast it's terrible it's kind of funny um, <laughs> i had the classic yeah, classic the fortune of seeing them like back to back at the american film institute in silver spring uh very very recently and yeah dude like it is so fast-paced that like and it holds up so well uh compared to like many other big films of the day yeah and it's... and so I, I think it's really interesting how like I, I i really think that like star wars is kind of like the end of, of cinema since like we we haven't really moved on from this blockbuster era that that jaws and star wars pioneered yeah but i mean film is a young medium yeah, it is. It is young medium. I'm just saying that if if so, we let's look at like if we look at the previous um, sixty or seventy years of, of film history prior to Star Wars, compare that to the next fifty years of film history post Star Wars. There's very little. There's very little movement in the kind of like post Star Wars era. And I'm talking about like Hollywood filmmaking, like big Hollywood filmmaking. Um, I mean, of course, like a lot of people credit Jaws and Star Wars and like Heaven's Gate with ending the um, new Hollywood era. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. I, I think it's 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 it was really fascinating to be seeing this movie that felt like I was watching a movie that could come have come out like yesterday. But you know, this is like a nearly like fifty year old movie, um, and I think I think that like that effect on the industry um, is really interesting as someone who studies the medium. Yeah. Well, I also think it's it's very interesting to see that like how almost every sort of big shift that you could identify in the post-Star Wars cinema landscape, you know, still is somehow connected to Star Wars. Like, okay, you have yeah. the original trilogy, like, you know, pioneering pushed, the blockbuster. Yeah. Prequels pushed CGI, and then everything started using CGI. And yeah, the CGI in the prequels was terrible, but, like, you know, it also wouldn't have gotten better had the prequels not, you know, done what they did. Um, and then uh, the Disney trilogy kind of being, you know, heralding the, the era of remakes, reboots, and nostalgia bait. Yeah. I mean, listen, we say a lot of that CGI in the prequels is bad, but, like, yeah, man, for the time that came out, yeah, holy shit. No, certainly, and, oh, yeah, someone, and, yeah. and someone had to take that step. Like, there was going to have to be someone who failed with that kind of stuff before, you know... The, the the people who were going to ro- walk so the other people could run. We Some of the, the yeah, ants came out before Bugs Ninja like. Turtles and Howard the Duck. You know, they <laughs> yeah. they were pushing the medium forward. <laughs> I true, suppose so. Yeah, I mean, we didn't even talk about Industrial Light and Magic, which yeah. is the, um, the production co- the uh, like effects company that Lucas was involved with, right? Yeah. The, um, the the original, because um, like, my God, I, I know I mentioned it before, but like. I mean, they just became the VFX house in Hollywood at that, after that, it was like... Yeah, even, even Star Trek, they were doing effects for Star Trek as well, and like, I think part of the reason, like one of many that Star Trek V failed, sorry to get wildly off topic, but it's because of (laughs) ILM not being available for the movie. That's fine. I also think it's so interesting looking just between episode four and five and how like quickly they solidify their aesthetic and their like effects because like there's still like a part of episode four, especially like in the cantina scene where it looks like, yeah, the effects are all really good and it was very novel for the time, but also does kind of look like somebody just kind of got a bunch of stuff out of their closet and was like, uh, what do I do here? Guess I make an alien or something like that, which it works for kind of how eclectic and goofy Star Wars is, but then almost immediately by episode five, like everything just feels so intentional and well thought through oh yeah i mean 
at like one of the famous things is that you can see like fingerprint smudges on Darth Vader's helmet in the first one, and then it's like the shiniest thing you've ever seen in the second one. <laughs> but um, um, shall we shall we try to wrap things up a little bit? I think yes, I think we should like yes, give everyone a, a small closer. I think that'd be interesting. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, how do you how do you want to how do you want to close? Star Wars and Star Trek are both great. Fight me. <laughs> Fair enough. Deron. Um I I think that we need to put Star Wars to bed. I think I think it's had a, a decent run, but it's 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 done. That's my opinion. Fair enough. Jim. I think that you know it, it can be broadened and uh, go in all sorts of different directions. Um, you know, I, I love the what they're doing with Kenobi and with the Mandalorian. Um, but I also like the fact that they're going back into things like uh, other mediums, like what they're doing with High Republic, and it can go in so many different directions, but are they also going to oversaturate? Uh, that's one of my concerns, is that, you know, are we seeing too much Star Wars? Is Disney Plus really Star Wars Plus? You know, that's the point. only reason why I keep Disney Plus. But, uh, you know, it, as long as they're putting out quality then you know and and i know that's kind of subjective but you know one of the things i'm concerned about with taika watiti even though i think i think he's fantastic i think he's hysterical i think he's really oddball um is that do i want to see a funny star wars because it didn't end well with um <clears throat> the holiday special um <laughs> <laughs> Which, if you haven't seen, go watch at least five minutes of. There's the one name drop of the holiday special for this episode. My favorite Star Wars content. So, you know, it has it got a future? Yes, as long as they do it right. Um, I'm I'm very happy with what um, John Favreau and Dave Filoni have done. Um, as long as they can keep the pace and not reduce the quality, let them let them go. Let them do it. Absolutely, Rhett. I think everyone said a bunch of good stuff, and I've said a lot of my thoughts about the the series. So if I have anything to close with, uh, if you are ever thinking of harassing a Star Wars actor on social media, please delete your social media accounts and go talk to your therapist immediately. Implying these people have therapists. <laughs> Star Wars is my therapy, Nick. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. Joker. All right, Tony. Follow the Lucas canon yes that's it yes king all right um as for me uh yeah we have we have said a lot here but um i'm one of those people who my hope hasn't died for star wars i i'm you know i don't love all of it it's not all for me and i got to admit that and that's fine but i still think there is a piece of star wars media out there that can rise above I think. I don't know. That's just me. I have hope. A new hope, even. Well, Nick, can I put it to you another way? Um, as somebody who is a completist, as somebody who is a collector, um, and, and, and Nick, you can attest to this. You've seen my basement. Yes. You've seen my office. You can't love it all. You yeah. can't, ha you know, you can't collect it all. You can't love it all. You have to take the parts that you love and hold, hold on to those, and you can just dismiss the other parts and still have a universe all your own. This is true. Hold on to you gotta you gotta fight for what you love is what the last Jedi taught us. 
and I love Jar Jar Binks. Absolutely. All right. With that, I think we're done here, folks. Uh, it's It's been great. I can't believe we, we got through an, an hour of this. We could probably do a few hours more, but um, for everyone's sanity, I'm going to end it here. Good night, guys. Thank you for joining me. Save the rebellion. Save the dream. We have Goodbye. a spark that will stunt this shish and rish. <laughs> Good night, guys. Beautiful.